Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, find us on the web at revivallifechurch.org. You are uh, our message series, Against the Grain. Uh, we're finishing up uh, today, and um, uh, next week we're going to start, uh, I'm going to do a two-week uh, message on prayer. And so if you're curious how to pray, how to pray better, is there such a thing as praying better? How to pray things that Jesus might actually answer. That's always good to know, right? Uh, how to pray things uh, not against God's will. I have found the most fruitful prayer is to pray things God wants to have happen. Right? Uh, and so that's important. Uh, we're just going to talk about that as we work our way through the book of Acts. That's where we find ourselves. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about that for a couple weeks. But uh, today... Uh, we're going to continue our message series uh, against the grain. Um, this is God has done really neat things in this series, and I hope that you're uh, feeling encouraged and empowered to follow Jesus in the midst of a society, in the midst of culture that's not excited about you following Jesus. Right they, now, our culture doesn't necessarily say we don't want you to follow Jesus, but our culture has no problem uh, being upset with everything that you do while following Jesus, uh, and, which I find interesting. But last week. Last week we talked about, you remember, the angry mob syndrome? Remember angry mob syndrome? Uh, and, and if you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about, I've never seen that in my Bible, right? That's because that's what we call it here. Uh, that's in the New Carl translation. And uh, the, new, the, 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 the angry mob syndrome is when you get so deep, you're so deeply embedded in an angry mob that you think you don't need to be a Christian anymore towards people that the angry mob hates, right? That... Uh, just because the angry mob that you're a part of has decided to judge a certain group of people, you think it's okay to judge a certain group of people. And if the angry mob decides it's okay to gossip about a certain group of people, you think it's okay to gossip about a certain group of people. And if the angry mob you're a part of thinks it's okay to slander a certain group of people, you think that it's okay to slander a certain group of people. And we see through history, this is what angry mobs do. What angry mobs do is they find their enemy and they find a way to make them non-human, right? Because we don't kill people, but we do kill pests, right? And so when we get into World War II, we didn't go to defeat the Japanese. We went to kill Japs, right? In uh, Vietnam, my, my, my dad would, was not sent to Vietnam to fight the Vietnamese. He was there to kill gooks, right? That's why um, political parties don't say, you know what, we've, we've examined the uh, different issues, and we feel that we disagree with the other party. No, they say, oh, they're libertards, right? Because they're no longer human, and we don't have to treat them like humans. The problem, the sin with that is, it goes against the scripture that says each person is created in God's image. And the moment we start treating people like they're not created in God's image is the moment we have fallen from grace. They're not, come on, we are not at fault. Like, they're not at fault, we are at fault. We have fallen from grace because we don't see Christ in them. We don't see that they are created in God's image. And the moment you do that, you can treat them like something other than someone that Jesus Christ died for. I like the way Carlos Rodriguez says it. He says, anytime you draw a line and judge a people, Jesus is always on the other side of that line saying, come join me. Every single time. That's what Carlos Rodriguez says. And I'm like, and that's what I find. I find Jesus is saying, I have to look for the humanity in those people. I can disagree with what they're saying. I can disagree with their, with their, their value system. I can disagree with their conclusions. But at the end of the day, 
Jesus didn't die for them any less than he died for me. At the end of the day, he didn't, wasn't nailed to that cross for them any less than he was nailed for me. Amen? And I tell you, if, if we as a church could embrace this reality that we are not called to judge, there is a judge, there is a judge, there is a judge, his name is Jesus, and right now he's sitting on the mercy seat. I, I, like, we, we, need, we, need, we need to get that in our brains as a church. There's only one who was created to judge. There's only one who's created to judge people. One, and he's sitting on the mercy seat. Like, you are free. I want you to be free to not judge people. It's not a right we were given. It's the trap of the devil. And we don't want to fall in the devil's traps. I have found that the devil's traps are not good. I have found that they don't lead anywhere positive. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't, you know. Jesus came to rescue us from our judgment. We needed a rescuer. Because we fall into angry mobs. And we start thinking that we're God. Like that's what happens when we think we can judge people. We've now pushed Jesus out of his position and we've assigned ourselves as judge. And that's a problem. It's a problem. Because we're not anointed to do that. We can't carry that responsibility. We are incapable of carrying that responsibility with a clean heart. Only Jesus can do it. And he will. He absolutely will. But he's not doing it right now. And the answer to our judgment, the answer to our self-righteousness, the answer is to look for the humanity in people. Like, we can actually, I, I know, like, I know this sounds difficult, but you can actually look somebody in the eye and say, you know, I kind of, I disagree. Without dehumanizing them. You can actually do that. You can actually say, mm, no, I hear what you're saying, and I understand you believe it very passionately, but I just disagree. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I don't agree with you. And I have a different value system. We can do that. We can actually do that and maintain our witness. It's actually possible. And I don't know if you know this, but the angry mob wants your peace. And um, if for no other reason you don't go along with the angry mob, don't let them steal your peace. They don't deserve your peace. They didn't die for you. All right? they, they, and, and the moment you align yourself with the angry mob, they consider you an enemy as well. Angry mobs are like, they're not real good with subtleties. They're not good with nuanced conversation, <laughs> right? They lump you in with the people they hate the moment. This is what we talked about last week. The moment you go against the angry mob, you're part of the people we hate, right? Just don't get involved in it, right? When you go against the grain, when you stand in truth, when you refuse to go along with the angry mob, you declare the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what you do. You declare the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You say, listen, God died for those people. As confused as they may be, he died for them, died for me. I'm not here to judge them. I'm here to stand on truth. No, yes, I disagree with them like you do. No, I will not go with you to persecute them. Amen? Come on. This is what Jesus is doing in the earth right now. Um, this, he, is, he is a part of this thing. He is a part... Uh, of the, you know, the arc of justice, the arc of righteousness will continue to increase and people can fight it all they want, but Jesus will win. He will win. And uh, all throughout history, we've seen lots of, um, lots of movements come to, uh, to, to stop the arc of justice and righteousness and they all have lost. They will continue to lose. And, and I tell you what, we're, we're pretty lucky that Jesus is not on the throne on earth right now in judgment, or, you know, a lot of us would find out that he is not as excited about the people, our hatred, as we are. 
right? And so he's giving us time to get things right. Amen. And so we just we're not going to resist the tide. We're going to go with justice and righteousness. We're going to look at what's happening and we're going to say, is this justice and righteousness or is it not? And I'm going to go with justice and righteousness, regardless of what society thinks. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm not going to go down that road. I am. OK, I'll go down for one second. <clears throat> OK, I, I need you. To, I need you to hear this because this is you can hear me wrong and not hear what I'm saying right now. OK, now. Hear what I'm saying. If you, okay, I believe, this is my belief, I believe we can look at your genes, your DNA, and we can tell if you're a man or a woman. I think, I believe, a simple medical exam can determine, and I believe that's right 100% of the time. I just, I just believe 100% of the time it's right, right? I just believe that. I also believe if you want to call yourself something else, have fun. I, I really could care less. I don't care what you do. That's between you and God. I don't care. I, I'm not going to send you to hell. I'm not, because I don't have that power anyways. All that's going to do is make me get all muddied up, right? Do whatever you want to do, right? Do it. I don't, I could care. Like you want, you want righteous, you want peace though? Because you're not going to find peace by chopping things off, right? That's not where peace is going to come from, right? That, that's not going to bring you peace, right? You want some peace. I can help you with that, right? I can help you with that. That, that was a little more graphic than I intended, by the way. Um, and so, you know, I'm in, this, I'm in cycling, I'm in cycling, <laughs> and uh, the, um, you know, they just had, uh, they just had, uh, they just had um, world championships not too long ago, and they had the am amateur championships, and recently the woman who uh, won amateur, <laughs> I'm sorry, it makes me laugh, the woman who won the amateur championships in the 35 to the 44 age group was a, a man who calls himself a she. And she dominated the women's race. Go figure. And, and so, like, you see the, you see, like, the, you see, like, the bronze medalist is, like, you know, a 105-pound woman. And the silver medalist is, like, a 109-pound woman. And then there's someone in a women's kit that's, like, 160 pounds. At some point, we got to say, you know, I, I get it. Dress however you want. What, what? But at some point, we got to be like, come on now. Let's like, you know, Corey's son likes to pretend that he's Batman. At 23, it's not as cute, right? It's at 23, something like You're not actually Batman. You're not actually Batman, right? Like, I love you. You can, you can dress up like Batman all day, but you're not actually Batman. You know, there's parts of this world that do that. Like, people don't get to call themselves a doctor and come operate on you. Right? That's against the law because you hurt people, right? You can play doctor at your house if you want. That's fine. Just don't cut anybody open, right? Because then it's against the law. Then it's against the law. Right? Right? Play stupid games, win stupid prizes, right? Like, that's what's happening in our society. <laughs> Whatever you want. But this is crazy, right? Like, and so, I don't care. I don't care what people do, right? Like, do what you want to do. Be, I mean, if you think it's not going to make you happy, but don't not do it because I told you. Right? And so in, in, in our society, we, we, um, if we impose righteous on somebody, that doesn't make them righteous. That makes them religious. Right? And making people religious doesn't transform their soul. Right? And sometimes we have to allow people to find out that what I'm doing is really dumb. And sometimes we have to let people crash. 
Sometimes we have to let people meet Mike Mike Rentler in jail and get a Bible. Right? So they can get rescued. Does, Does that make sense? Like, amen, amen. You know, like, and so... You know, however you were born, like I'm with uh, what what Paul said. However you were found, like when he found you, stay that way, right? Like like wherever, however he created you, I'm just like stay that way, right? Like work it out, right? Are you married? Stay married. If I'm not happy, get happy. Stay married. I don't know what to tell you, right? Okay, I've gone down that road way too long, and I've wasted way too much of my time there. Uh, but be righteous, amen. So we're uh, so. Oh, please forgive me. Let's just pray. How about we do that, Jesus? I pray that you would magically erase all the nonsense that wasn't you that I just said. But some of it was, I have a feeling, and I just pray that that stuff would land. And that you would rescue me (laughs) in this message. (laughs) Hallelujah. You could catch me up right now. This would be a beautiful time. This would be a wonderful time to catch me up. Or glory fall. One or the other, I don't know. Uh, but I'm going to do my best. Amen. And amen. Acts chapter 4. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Welcome to Revival Life Church. Ah. Do you like the new coffee cups with lids that you get to bring in the room? It's so good, we wrote it on the cup. Mmm. Coffee, right? Not a real church without Homer Simpson being represented. Acts chapter 4, now I'm going to get in the Bible. Yes, I am, absolutely. No, I'm not blaspheming him. We're going to get in the Word now, ready? Acts chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 23. I'm going to read a bit of a long passage of Scripture, but this is where we're at as we go through the Scriptures. Uh, now, if you remember, the, uh, the Peter and John were arrested for ministering in the name of Jesus, right? The, uh, the, the, the folks who ran the temple uh, didn't want them to use the name Jesus, uh, but that's what they knew to do, and so that's what they did. And so they thought they'd fix it by arresting them. Verse 23 says, oh, well, then, you know, they arrested them. They had a trial. You are here last week. You heard it. They had a trial. They couldn't do anything to them because they didn't do anything wrong. They released them. It says, when they had been released, that's Peter and John, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God in, in one, with one accord and said, oh, Lord, it is you who made the heavens and the earth and the sea, and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant said, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Verse 27, for truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do what your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak of the word of God with boldness. Can you say amen to the word? Amen, amen, amen. As I uh, was preparing this message, I, um, I was thinking about the, uh, the power that they have over us. They, 
whoever they are in your life. They don't want to be challenged. They want you to go along and get along, right? Get along and go along is what they want to do. Do what we're doing. Say what we're saying. Don't rock the boat. That's what they want for your life. If you don't have a plan for your life, someone else will give you one. And it will serve them. If you don't have a vision for your life, someone else will give you a vision and it will serve them. And what happens is when, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to go into details here. I'm not really an expert uh, in this. But if you, if you look at systems theory, uh, systems theory, part of it states that when systems are, are set, they'll do whatever they can to keep the system from changing, right? To maintain the status quo. And you probably know that when you decide to lose some weight. You decide to lose some weight and everything has to change, but your body has a system already. It doesn't include either working out or eating less. And the moment you decide, I'm going to start working out and I'm going to start eating less, your body does everything it can to keep you from doing either one of those things. Something will come up. Something will happen. You'll run out of time. It won't be important. You'll get hungry. Oh, I don't have a chance to make food. I'm going to go out and eat a double cheeseburger because I didn't have time to make a salad. I don't, right? But whatever happens in that, that systems theory, it, it says it fights to maintain the status quo. And um, what, what you'll find in, in groups also is when you decide to change, you'll find out what system you're a part of because you'll get feedback that you should not be changing from those people in your life. What you'll find is when you decide to let Holy Spirit convict your heart of how He wants to bring you into the new season, how He wants to bring you from where you are to where He wants you to be, when you'll find out that there's things that you have to change in your life and people around you will begin to, begin to cry out a little bit that your conviction is convicting them and they don't want to change. And so you'll get pressure in your life from those people who don't want to change. They want to maintain the status quo. Tell your spouse that you want to start praying every Saturday night. And you'll find out the pressure of change, right? You tell your, your like, hey, I don't want us to fight anymore. When we're disagreeing, I like us to not scream anymore. And if your spouse starts screaming at you, that's the punishment for trying to change the status quo. When you try to change the status quo, you will be punished by those who feel, hear me, that they are losing power through your change. You'll find out who... Has, an, uh, has, a, has a measure of power in your life when you start to change and you get feedback from them that you shouldn't change. Because now your change doesn't serve their purposes. Does that make sense? And so there is this pressure. There's this pressure to not change. There is this pressure, as a matter of fact, to stay the same because they like the way you are because it serves their purpose as well. And so you'll begin to get this push back. Our entire economy works that way. Our school system works that way. Every, every complex system works to maintain the status quo. If you go into work and you want to make some changes to how procedures are done, immediately you'll hear your employees start to complain. Why? Because they don't want to change. You want to change. And your change is causing them grief and they want to punish you for that. And so we see here in Israel that there was a status quo. There was a system. And the system was the Sanhedrin runs things and you do things that serve their power structure. And if you don't, they couple together with Rome and they punish you, right? They punish you for not going along with the status quo of the Sanhedrin, right? And so here's Peter and John who happened to follow a guy who did not care about their status quo because he was following the Father. His name is Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, I see you've built a little thing to give you guys power. I'm not really interested in you having power. I'm interested in people serving God. 
This is where we find ourselves in the story. We find ourselves in the story of some people who make the decision, we are not living our lives so other people can be powerful. We are going to be followers of Christ. And we talked about when you don't know what to do, when you don't know what to do in your life, what, what do we say to do? We said, be humble, tell the truth, trust God. Be humble, tell the truth, and trust God. And the power structure doesn't want that. What they want you to do is shut up and go along. Shut up and go along. And they want you to go along with what works out for them. It may not go along with what works out for you. Funny thing is, if we're all following Christ, when you start following Christ more, we all benefit. Everybody benefits. Because now we're all going according to God's plan. It just increases the benefit to the whole world. And Jesus has come to set you free from power structures that other people are using you for their benefit. When we were uh, praying before service, um, we uh, pray with all the ministry team leaders that are going to be on stage and kind of coordinate some stuff. Uh, we talk about the service and, and we pray. And uh, while I was praying, someone had a vision. And in the vision, they were in, uh, we were in, there was a person crying in a dark room. And, uh, and today, the light shone in their dark room and they found a key that let them out of the cell that they were living in. Now, they were unable to see the key that was connected to them in the darkness, but the light came on and all of a sudden they could see that they had the key to their freedom. Right? <clears throat> and so I want, you to, I want you to know today that if you feel trapped in a power system, that you feel like you're being used by other people, if you're trapped, if you feel like you can't be you because other people are benefiting from how you are right now, the Lord is here to set you free today. <clears throat> uh, the unfortunate news that I have for you, though, is You've always had the key. You'll actually have to exercise it. You're going to have to be brave enough to go against the power system. Now, <clears throat> this is not a complicated system. Uh, I'm going to give you four points today, and I'll give them all to you right now because they're just not that complicated. Are you ready? All right. Know God's will. Pray God's will. Do God's will. Profit. Right? That's it. Know God's will. Pray God's will. Do God's will. Profit. All right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Amen, amen, amen. And so, you know, there, there's um, um, the first step in, in, in getting free, uh, the first step in uh, breaking out of this uh, 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 system to keep you down is uh, you have to recognize what God's will is. Now, the title of my, my message today is Possessed by the Promise. Possessed by the Promise. And what you have to decide is, Am I going to belong to the promise of God or am I going to belong to someone else? Am I going to belong to the will of Christ or am I going to belong to someone else's desire? Who is it I'm going to be possessed by? Now, there's, there's a lot of... <laughs> you can't get on that one. Ha. Um, <clears throat> ah. The wave just kind of came in right there. Sorry. Whew. But not sorry. <clears throat> I try to be nice to conference speakers because I like conferences. Uh, but they like to overcomplicate things that gives them a job. Um, it's not that hard to know God's will. It's just not that hard. Now, there's, there's so many books and, and conferences and, and, and there's just seminars and it, they make it so difficult as if God doesn't want you to know His will. I have a feeling that He sent Jesus Christ so we could know His will. 
NASA would be more mysterious than it was before he came. As a matter of fact, he said, I want it to be so clear to you that I'm actually going to put my spirit on the inside of you. So you don't even have to go to the temple to find my will. It's literally alive on the inside of you, waiting. It's just constantly bleeding out of you, constantly saturating your pores, constantly saturating your mind. The will of God, it's all over you. It's not complicated. It's not far off. The problem is, um, when you don't know God's will, there's something else competing for His voice in your life. And that's what you have to discern. But when, 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 <laughs> what I find is when things are going well, we don't worry if we're in God's will. It's when things aren't going well, then all of a sudden, we must be out of God's will. When things are happy and all of my desires are being fulfilled, oh, God is just blessing me tremendously. But when things aren't doing exactly the way I want them to be going, all of a sudden, God, where are you? God, what happened? God, why aren't, why aren't my every desire being fulfilled? And, and, and the trap of that is that is to think that God's will equals my will. Right? right? If my will is being fulfilled, then I must be walking in God's will. Because God is just like me. Right? God wants exactly what I want. And, and sometimes I have found that the, the trying times, the hard times, the, 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 hear me, the storm, as it were, you can be absolutely in the middle because you're looking for a person to put into the storm, to conquer it. If there's no believers in the storm, how do we conquer the storm? How, how do we get Jesus somewhere that we don't want to be? Is it, is it, I think this is a good word right there. I think I thought that was, I thought that was pretty good right there. I was, but I just, I, 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 and so we, we fall into this trap of saying, because things are good, man, God is blessing my life. And because things aren't so good, God is distant. But that, that's not like that. We can't determine his will by if I'm happy or not. Because then all it takes to not follow God is to make you a little unhappy. We can't give the enemy that kind of power. Like I'm following regardless. Right, right. And so, like, as we, as, we look at, um, as we look at the disciples in here, there's a couple things that we have to do. And um, <clears throat> in order to, to, to really walk in God's will, we have to be in community, right? We have to be walking this thing out with people. We have to be in community and be known. We can't be in community and give them fake us, right? We, we have to be known. And, and in this community, we have to develop a history with God. Right. So many times I ask people, they're like, Pastor, I don't know what to do next, whatever. I say, all right, well, how did you get here? What, what, what do you mean? No, no. How did you get to this moment of right now not knowing where to go next? How did you get to this spot? Like, I what? No, I'm and people say, oh, God's telling me to do this. And the next week, oh, God's telling me to do that. Like, how did you get here right now? What is the story? What is the God story that brought you to this moment? Like you want to be able to say to your friend, I have no idea. Like, I don't see God anywhere around me. I don't feel him. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if I'm in his will. And you need a friend to say, man, I remember about 18 months ago, you got a prophetic word. And because you got that word, you did this, which led to that. And then you read a scripture and God said this and then you did that. And we were in that one meeting and the Holy Ghost touched you and he confirmed with a vision that you're going on his path. And then you had that other thing that you were praying and it came to pass and that person had a word. Remember that thing? Or remember it came and then there was a promise. And, and you're right here because of everything God had said for you to do like you are here you're in God's will right you have to be in community and you have to be known you have to drop your like you know all the protection and you have to actually get known because people are going to like know and help you steward the word of God over your life they're going to help you shepherd the word of God over your life it's not you can't do it you think you can do it on your own you're that's the that's that's the enemy's kind of got you tricked here there, there, there has to be like confirming words like we need them down the road. Does that make sense? 
We have to be walking with people in a way that they know our, our lives. And uh, the other thing I see that people do, they're not in community, they haven't developed a history with God, and, and they start looking at the picture too big. They look at the macro. They, you, need to, you need to move your vision from macro to micro. I, 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 um, from, from, okay, what, basically they say, how do I get on stage? How do I be on the stage of the arena? Right? Like, how do I get there? What do I do down 10 years down the road? How do I, how do I come into this thing? What is my, here's a, here's a big one. What's my purpose? What's my purpose? What's God's plan for my life? And I have found that God doesn't share that all that often. He just doesn't. If you needed to know it, you'd know it. And that's hard for us to hear because we want to be in control of everything. And what we have to do is turn our vision from macro, the big picture, to micro, the little picture. What does he want me to do today? What does he want me to do today? I have found that it's very easy to get that instruction. What do you want me to do today? But I have found it easier to hear the word about where do you want me to be in 10 years than what do you want me to do today, right? Because one of them takes obedience. And the other one looks a lot like the lottery, right? Where I pay a dollar, but I get a billion dollars. Right? I, I do very little, but I get a lot. That's the big, ooh, what am I going to do with my life? Oh, you're going to be amazing. You're just going to be incredible. Don't worry about it. I'm going to do it for you. Right? We all want those words. But the, how do I feed myself today? Oh, you work eight hours. Like, we don't like those words as much. Right? Like, it's like you hate your job, right? And so you pray, Lord, I, you know I hate my job, right? You've called me to ministry. When am I going to be in ministry, right? Like, will you pray that, but we don't pray a half hour before we get to our job. God, what am I supposed to do today? He's going to say, go to work. <laughs> don't lose this job because you're going to be hungry next week. Right? And so, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Today's obedience is the bridge to tomorrow's promise. Today's obedience is the bridge to... to I think that's a good word right there. Today's obedience is the bridge to tomorrow's promise. Come on. It's a bridge. And, and if we're not, like, at some point, we have to actually start following him to get in his plan. Actually, he, we have to actually start doing the stuff he told us to do to get into his plan. We actually have a part to play in it. And I found no better way than to uh, hear God than reading the scriptures and getting promises over my life in the scriptures. I like to read them and I like to hold on to them and I like to revisit them. And I, I just uh, this week over our uh, burning room uh, leadership team, I, I have a whole I had two pages of scriptures that I am praying over that ministry. And I sent it to them I'm like, hey, we're praying over the I'm, I'm, you know, if one of these jumps out at you. I want you to because there's scriptures in that in those two pages that the Lord prophesied over that meeting. Somebody read that, we're like, we know that's us. That's, that's our meeting. That's this, you are prophesying over our meeting. We're holding on to those scriptures. And so I am going long, but I'm just going to keep going long. What I want to do this morning, right now, uh, and not, not finish, I'm sorry, it's not, it's not your will, right? It's, it's, it's God's will. It's clearly God's will that I go long. Um, here's what I want to do. Maybe, maybe, maybe you don't have any scriptures that you're holding on to right now. Maybe, maybe God has not spoken to you in scripture in a long time. Maybe you don't know what you're doing in this season. I'm going to read a whole bunch of scripture right now. I mean, a bunch of scripture. And you're going to have a pen and a paper, or you're going to have your note-taking app out. Listen, everybody, take, take it out. Like, like, by not taking notes, you are confessing, God, you can't talk to me now. I do not believe you will talk to me. And if you say something, it's not that important. 
<clears throat> so what I'm going to do is, uh, for the tech team, I'm going to read the scripture and then I'm going to give the reference. So follow along with me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read some scriptures over you. And one of these are going to jump out to you. And you're going to take note of it. And you're going to hold on to that thing as a promise from the Lord. Amen? This is actually powerful. And I believe Holy Spirit mm, is here. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to people. And I want to give you a scripture that you're going to take home and just confess over your life. Until it comes to pass. Others, you're going to get scriptures like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing in this season. You ready? They're going to be up here. I'm going to be reading them. You are going to wait for Holy Spirit to touch you. And you're going to hold on to it. All right? Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's Matthew eleven, twenty-nine. Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 5.16 But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 5.44 But when you give to the poor, do not let, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Matthew 6, verse 3. He says, so when you're giving, so you let your giving be in secret and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Matthew 6, 3 and 4. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. Matthew 7, wow, 7 and 8. Hmm. Matthew 25, 40. The king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it for one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Jesus said to them, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions. Give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Matthew 19.21. Wow. Mm. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John 13, 34 and 35. He said to them, go into all the world, mm. preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. He who has disbelieved will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's Mark 16, 15 to 18. Wow. Mm, Shabbat. And you, wow. Ha. And as you go, preach saying, mm, the kingdom of heaven is at, wow, is at hand. Mm, heal, mm, heal this. Ah. I'm going to try this one again. Ha. Ah. Ah. For me, there's a little juice on this one. Ha. 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 Hmm. Shakaba. Ha. And as you go, ooh, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out devils. Freely you receive, freely give. That's Matthew 10, 7 and 8. I like in all these. Amen. One of those, I believe, wow, the Lord will speak to you in these things. Wow. If, mm. Ha. Mm. Okay, I'm going to get it together now. 
Uh, I'm not here to be weird. Mm. But Jesus is touching me and I'm having a hard time containing it. All right? I'm just, mm, that's me. That's, that's not God. That's me reacting to the Holy Spirit, flooding me, not caring that I'm talking to you right now. Ha, 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 ha. Amen. Hmm. Hallelujah. Ha. So, ah. So, hmm. So, we... Ah, okay, here we go. Here we go. Ah. Hallelujah. 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 Ha. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to come over here. Maybe the glory will be a little less down here. Hallelujah. Now, you know, uh, we have these scriptures that we hold on to. The disciples, they, they had an advantage. They walk with Jesus, right? Like that. But the problem is Jesus said it's better that Holy Spirit be with us. He said that we have, uh, he, we have it even better. Wow. Jesus always walked with a sense of purpose. He always walked with with a sense of purpose. Uh, he, was, he never just wandered. He never just wandered, you know, like I think maybe I'll go here this day or I might talk about that this day. He, he lived with a sense of purpose. He has a purpose for every, every day of your life as well. But these disciples, they, they knew God's will. They knew God's will in spite of everything going on around them. And when you know God's will, the enemy... The enemy is going to try to deter you from it. He's going to try. He's going to try to get you off task. So the disciples, the disciples, they're at this uh, Sanhedrin, right? And you know, like, in order to have that kind of ungodly power, you need some ungodly power, right? Does that make sense? Like, you know the people that you talk to and you're clear-headed, but after you talk to them, you're confused? There's something more going on than just a weird person, right? Like there's something spiritual behind it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? We have a term for that. We call it getting slimed. You get slimed. That's what we call it. And so sometimes some other spiritual forces want to mess with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And you come out confused. You know, the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. So you go to talk to people and you wind up confused. You ever go to confront somebody and at the end you're like, maybe it's... Maybe it's me. I don't. I, that's so weird because when I went in there, it looked like they did some voodoo mind trick on you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like every time I go to them, I feel like I was right. But after I go to them, I'm like, I'm not. Like, anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what? They're actually doing a voodoo mind trick on you. That's actually what's happening. You're actually getting slimed. Spiritually slimed. And so the disciples, this was happening to them there. They, like you get, it causes confusion, right? And so, so you know, Paul understood this. He said in 2 Corinthians 10, he said, we are destroying speculations in every lofty thing raised, wow, raised, wow, raised up, wow. We just do, see what they say and we hold it in comparison to Christ, right? It says in the Bible, look up that verse. It's what it says, I promise you. And so let me tell you, when they got released, Acts 4.23 says, they went and they went to the, their friends, they went to the disciples and they told them everything. They told them everything that the Sanhedrin had said to them. Why? I need to get light on this because I'm not living with this confusion. 
Don't hide it. Like, oh, I'm, I don't know, I'm just dealing with some things. Don't just deal with some things. Deal with some things. Share it with some folks and get some truth spoken into your life. I'm like, I don't know, I just, I just feel crazy. No, because that is crazy. That's why you feel crazy. That don't make no kind of sense. You've got to stop thinking that way. That's some the lovingest thing sometimes you can hear, right? And so these disciples, they knew God's will, and they, when they heard things contrary, they got it tested to other people who knew God's will. Are you with me? So they know God's will, and I'm, almost, I'm wrapping up here, even though i got two more points. So once you know God's will, you have to pray God's will over your life. This is what they did. Look at this. Acts 4.24. When they heard this, when they heard the nonsense that the Sanhedrin said to them, they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, Oh Lord, it is you who made, not, not the Sanhedrin, it's not the Pharisees, it's not the Sadducees, it is you, it is you who made the heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. They, de- they disenthroned everybody who put themselves on the throne of the disciples' lives. Other people wanted to be on the throne of their lives. They're taking them off. They're putting Jesus back on it. He said, it is you, O Lord. It is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, why do these Gentiles rage and the people? You know what they're doing right here? They're quoting Scripture promises. They're quoting Bible right now. This is all Bible. This is the scripture they're quoting back to God. They're taking these things that they heard and they're declaring the truth. They, 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 they heard the lies and they start declaring the truth of God's word over the lies. They start quoting Psalm 146. They start quoting Psalm 2 about who Jesus is and what his purpose was. And, what he, they, and they're, they're directly quoting the scripture to combat the lies that they just got slimed with. And they start coming in agreement with Daniel chapter 9, and Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, prophesies about the exact day that they were living in, and they lined their prayers up with promises that they heard a long time ago. Unfortunately, we allow our promises to die in childbirth. For whatever reason, we, we, we just think that God is going to leave a laid-down lover barren, and He's not. He won't leave you barren. Jesus will not leave you barren. He will birth that thing through you. You have to lay hold of the promise, though. You have to lay hold of it. Now, listen to this. Sometimes I have a hard time remembering what God said to me a week later. A month later, yeah, I'll go back to old journals. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that was a life-changing word that I've completely let go of. There's promises that he gives over your life that we just allow to be aborted just for no reason at all. So in Daniel 9.24, this was... This was um, 457 years before the birth of Christ, Daniel got up and, 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 he, and he wrote this. Look at this. Look at this. 924. He prophesied this. 70 weeks. 70 weeks has the Lord decreed for your people in your holy city to finish the transgression. Now that 70 weeks was 70 weeks of years. So that's 70 times 7. Anybody do that math real quick? 490. Exactly. Good job, math. Excellent. Good job. So 70 weeks have been, declare, been decreed for your people in your holy city, to finish the transgression, right? That's the sin. To make an end of sin. To make atonement for iniquity. To bring in everlasting righteousness. To seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place. Does that sound like anybody you know? That sounds like Jesus, right? So 457 years before Jesus got on the scene, he writes this, right? And do you know what happened 490 years later? That was A.D. 33, Right? That's when Jesus died and rose from the dead. Exactly like the prophecy that was written 490 years earlier 
in the same month. It happened in the, to the month. And so the disciples are standing there like, have you not read the book? Have you not seen the promise? Like, we're actually believing, we're holding on to this word that God gave us, and you're telling us to let go of it? You want us to go with the grain, go with the flow, and disagree with everything God has promised us? I just, I don't know, I, I ain't going to be able to do it, right? Like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that, right? Like, down to the, to the month. You have to have God's promise settled in your heart. And you have to reject every thought that comes against it. You have to have God's promise settled in your heart. And you have to reject every thought that comes against it. Many people still have promises that are waiting. Acts chapter 1 verse 4, Jesus said, wait on the promise. Faith is standing on God's promises even when nothing around you reflects it. Wait on the promise. And so they said, truly in this city there were gathered together against Jesus, Acts 4.27, Herod and Pontius Pilate, all these people who come against the promise, right? 29, and now Lord, take note of their threats. Grant your bondservants to speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal. Listen, they made that confidence, they made that declaration, they made that decision in their heart to follow God's will before they ever saw any manifestation of a fulfillment. All they knew that the same people who killed Jesus were looking to kill them. But once they made the decision to follow, he says, while extending your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through your holy servant, Jesus. Here's what they're praying. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And so we have prayed God's will. And many of us fall short of the last step. Do God's will. Come on up, Corey. Acts 4.31 as they continue praying. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak the word of God with boldness. They began to do the will of God. They began to actually allow themselves to be filled with the Spirit, to flow in the, in the gifts of the Spirit, and to preach the word of God with boldness. They actually started to walk out and do the thing God had called them to do. They actually started doing God's will. And that's how you cement His will in your life. You actually start to do it. They set out to fulfill God's promise. They set out to follow Him, and heaven invaded the room. The word of God is still true. Jeremiah says, for, excuse me, Second Chronicles says, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. I want to speak this over you this morning. <clears throat> Second, per Second Peter 3. The Lord is not slow about His promise. Over your life, wait on the promise. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing any of you to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God is, God is merciful and He's waiting for each of us to decide in our hearts that we're going to follow Him. And when we follow Him, we actually begin to profit. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning that you are alive. That you are alive. You are alive. And you're still pouring out your spirit. And you're still calling people to follow you. And you're still anointing. Wow, you're still anointing people. 
You're still setting people free. You're still setting people free. You're still healing the sick. You're still releasing vision. You're still releasing prophecy. You're still working to honor your word in people's lives. And so right now, Lord Jesus, and every person under the sound of my voice, I pray that you would guide them, lead them, encourage them to continue to walk in your will. Stand with me if you would. We'll pray and we'll leave. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. We want to be people who do your will. I pray, Father, this week for divine appointments with folks that we need to bring to the house of God. Divine appointments with people that we need to bring to the house of God. I don't know if it's going to be through the children's event. I don't know if it's going to be through Sunday morning service, through the burning room. Lord, but we're here to do your will. And we want to see your purposes served throughout the earth. So Lord, we, we set our eyes on you. We said that you are our peace. You are our strength. You are our strong tower. We give our lives to you this morning. I'd be remiss if I didn't just mention that. If you're away from God this morning, we're going to have some people who are going to be standing right up here after service. If you've never followed Jesus, hey, today's a great day to start. You can do that right where you're at by just deciding, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to receive him as a sacrifice of my sin. I'm going to repent, turn away, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to empower me to live a new life. But at some point, you're going to need to come back, come to the front and pray with somebody. They're going to lay hands on you and your life is going to change. Maybe you need to come back to God this morning. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward now. If you need healing in your body, you need deliverance, if you need encouragement, if you just need a, need a touch of the Holy Ghost, I invite you to come forward and allow, allow yourself to receive prayer. But Father, I pray that you would bless these people in the sound of my voice. You would keep them this week and that they would have an amazing God-filled week. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. We give a clap off to the Lord for me. Hallelujah.